So anyway, going to get into the word here in just a minute. You know, um, I don't often preach uh, from the text that uh, you're going to hear about today. Um, it's in Matthew chapter 25, um, and it, it really deals with the, the, the true story, the reality of the judgment seat. And uh, I've always believed that, that you know, you, there's different ways that you can talk about the judgment seat, right? Um, you can talk about the, because it's a reality. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it is appointed unto man once to die, and then comes the judgment. It's going to happen for all of us, you know? Um, and so the, the reality is, though, this is, this is the way I like to preach about the judgment seat. I'm your pastor. Uh, at least I hope you're here. I don't. Some people kind of show up, but somebody else is their pastor. Well, I come to Lighthouse, but somebody else is my pastor. That's okay. Will they visit you when you need a visit? Will they pull you out of the crack house when you need to come out of the crack house? <laughs> will they? Will they be there to you know do what you've got to have done at your house? TD Jakes won't do that for you. Okay, I'm just here to tell you. Stephen Furtick won't do that for you. So just a thought. But here's the way I like to talk to you people about the judgment seat. If I'm your pastor and I've done my job right, judgment day will be the happiest day of your life. The happiest day of your life. Why? Because it's an open book test. There will be nothing asked of you when you stand before Jesus that you, oh my gosh, I never heard of that before. Why? Because it's in 66 books. And you've had your Bible for how long? And you've had the word of God in your life for how long? There will be no surprises when you stand before the Lord, not from a standpoint of what God is asking for. Now, there might be some surprises like, ooh, I forgot about that. We're gonna hear about that today. It will happen that if you serve the Lord long enough, things, it's not senior moments. You will do things out of the nature that God put in your life that will become almost like muscle memory. Like you will minister for the Lord in ways that you didn't stop and think about. Not true story. It will happen. You won't have to think about it. Anybody ever, ever uh, you know, somebody will say something and all of a sudden there's a witness that comes up from your spirit and it's out your mouth before you knew what happened? And then you thought, man, I, that was so good. I want to take notes on me. <laughs> And then there are sometimes you don't know how, how powerful those words are that you're saying. You just said something that you thought that morning and you saw in the word and you shared it and then somebody walks away and then they come back to you a week or a month or five years later and they say, man, remember when you said that? And you said, mm, you want to be kind. You want to say, yeah, it was, that, it was that powerful for me too, but it really wasn't, but it was for them. And it will happen. And there will be things that you will do that will come out of the nature of Christ on the inside of you that will be so impactful for other people. And if you were, if you were saying it right then, you, you, it wouldn't like even hardly register. You wouldn't even realize it. And that's not a bad thing. I just want you to understand that, that the new nature that God put on the inside of you has power. It has impact, and, and there is power. There, the, the, the power of life and death is in the tongue, so the things that you speak are either life-giving or death-dealing. And if you choose to speak life, man, God will use that. God will use that. Um, so this uh, passage in Matthew 25, I'll read it in a second. 
But let me paraphrase it because you're already familiar with it. You know, this is talking about the judgment seat. It's from the message translation. I think it pops a little bit more, uh, hits, our, hits our understanding a little bit more. But all of us will stand before the Lord one day, and he's not going to talk to us about our sin. When we get that far, he's not talking about our sin. He's, he's talking to us about our reward because the sin was already judged at Calvary. God judged sin at Calvary and the blood of Jesus covered sin. He's talking here about works, the judgment seat of works. And so when it gets to this whole issue of nature, we can't see this so clearly. Like I just shared with you a minute ago, I bought a diesel. Now that's very clear what a diesel is and a gas engine. And now we got electric cars and we got hybrids. And you know, so you kind of got to look at the label and say, what's this, what's this, what's this? But when we get to the judgment seat, there's two natures, the sheep nature and the goat nature right? And God sees them all before the foundation of the world. He sees and understands how we all function and what we're all about. And he keeps really good records, really good stuff that you and I will forget about. Jesus says, if you just give a cup of cold water in my name, you will not lose your reward. That's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing that God is a noticer of everything. He's a noticer of what we do and how we do it. And we do things in his name. Um, this uh, this happened, has happened to me a, a few times, but of course, ministry is, is, is my, you know, my lifestyle. It's part of what I do. I was ministering before I was a minister, but really that's the case, isn't it? We're all, we're all called to be ministers wherever we go. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So God gets the glory for it. You may not get, ever get any recognition for what it is that you do, but, but people will notice and the Lord notices. So uh, a few years ago, I was at Walmart and uh, I saw a woman that I recognized, but didn't remember uh, what she was about to tell me. I said, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. And, and uh, she was telling me the church that she was going to and things were going good. And her daughter, she was a single mom. And her daughter was, uh, you know, she said, oh, it's going good with my daughter and everything. She said, do you remember that time that you loaned me your car for two weeks? I said, absolutely, I do not. <laughs> I didn't, I, I had not a clue. And there was a season where Holly and I would end up with an extra vehicle because half the time one of them was broke down. So 50-50 chance was one of the other ones was better. And so that one was in inspection. I couldn't afford the other one. And so, so waiting for that, wait, waiting to afford the parts for the next one to get it to pass. Anyway, you get the point. She had not a car and she borrowed ours for a little while. And I was like, I'm sorry. I don't remember it. And uh, then this happened just last, this past Thursday. And, and I'm saying, if this happens in my life in a microcosm, and I haven't been on the planet but 55 years, imagine what it'll be like for you after you live, live 60 or 70 or 80 years and then you stand before Jesus and he starts opening the books. And he remembers it all. I mean, just this past Thursday night at Pillar 22, uh, a, a young man, he, he's known to you all because he's in uh, Overcomers. But he got up and said, Pastor, I remember when you came to the jail and I was sitting there locked to a chair and you started your discipleship plan with me then. And I started getting disciple 26, he remembered 26 years ago. And I'm like, I don't remember. But that's okay. I didn't say that. And this, and this young man, I mean, and, and again, you know, the, the congregation, the overcomers knows his testimony. This, 
This guy was huffing gas and sniffing glue in high school. I mean, he, he was a mess. And yet Jesus has been, he's been a project of the Lord all these years. You and I are the Lord's projects. He's, he's working on those projects. One worker, one word, one moment, one experience, one event at a time. And you and I get to partner with the Lord in his project of redemption for people that it happens one person at a time. Now, for some of you, this is, this is old news because this is your lifestyle. But for some of us that, you know, maybe have come up recently in the, in the church and recently in the Lord, you know, we talk about the presence of God. And Lighthouse, I commend you because we, when it comes to worship, when it, be, when it comes to presence, when it comes per, to pursuing God, when it comes to hearing from the Lord and the prophetic, I think we do a really good job of that. But in the area of ministering to the broken outside these walls, I don't think we do so well. I think we can do better. Now, now, I hasten to say that no matter how much we do, that work will never get done. Because Jesus said, the poor you will have with you always. If we're, we're hoping between this week and next week to raise $20,000 to fund our benevolence all the way through the end of the year. Last year, we gave away 10,000. We could have given away 10 times 10. So we just looked at it and said, let's have faith to double it and let's, let's do more in 2023 than we did. But what we found is that we needed to develop a delivery system. We didn't have a really good delivery system. How do we do that? Mitzi Torres is gonna to talk to us a little bit about what we're currently doing for that so that you understand that when we do give, that it's being looked after and that money is being stretched to, do, to meet the most needs that it can possibly meet. So this is important. This is important because these are people in, within the sound of our voice. I love missions. I love going on trips. I love going places where the poorest of the poor live and, and God gives me such compassion. But can I tell you, we're here to be Jesus incarnate, Jesus in the flesh, right here. To remind our community that God has not forgotten you. You might be going through a hard time, but God has not forgotten you. And so when we talk about finding Jesus in the 804, if you want to find out what Jesus is doing, you just go walk among somebody that's broken. You walk among the, the, the single moms and the poor, and you walk among the people that have not, the people that are forgotten, the people that, and you will find Jesus there. You'll find him. And I say that not because of uh, uh, it feels good. I say that because that's what Bible says. The Bible says Jesus is there right? So let's get into the scriptures this morning. And uh, Matthew chapter 25, when he finally arrives, blazing in beauty and all his angels with him, the son of man will take his place on his glorious throne. I want you to get the image of this. You imagine yourself in that spot. This is, this is, uh, uh, this is a, uh, an end time experience of what Isaiah had, right? When he saw the Lord high and lifted up in his train filling the temple. This is, you're, it's a place of glory, the presence of the Lord, right? And then all the nations will be arranged before him and he will sort the people out, much as a shepherd short, sorts out sheep and goats, putting the sheep to his right and the goats to his left. Y'all people over here are on my right. Y'all people over here are on my left. Ooh, yeah, okay, let's, I don't know. Maybe, 
Maybe my right and my left. I don't know. I'm going to keep you guessing. Uh, He says, uh, then the king will say to those on his right, enter you who are blessed by my father. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundation. I want you to let that sink in for a second. Do you understand the reality that the works and the reward God already knows? It didn't say he caused it, didn't say, but he knew about it. This has been prepared for you before the foundation. Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. These are, these are eternal things that are happening at work. And he says, he says, take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundation. And here's why. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit. I was in prison and you came to me. Then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? And then the king will say, I'm telling you the solemn truth. Whatever you did, whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. Then he will turn to the goats, the one on his left, and say, get out, worthless goats. You're good for nothing but the fires of hell. And why? Because I was hungry and you gave me no meal. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was homeless and you gave me no bed. I was shivering and you gave me no clothes, sick and in prison, and you never visited Then those goats are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or homeless or shivering or sick or in prison and didn't help? And he will answer them, I'm telling you the solemn truth. Whenever you failed to do one of these things to someone who is being overlooked or ignored, that was me. You failed to do it to me. And then those goats will be herded to their eternal doom, but the sheep to their eternal reward. Let's just take a minute and pray. Father, I pray that you would help us to see the end from the beginning. That you would help us to look at the present reality of our lives. That you would help us to discern our nature today by the power of the Holy Spirit. That every blood-washed and blood-bought saint of the living God is a sheep. And sheep act a certain way. But every person that doesn't know Jesus is selfish, operates out of self, what's good for self. And that goat nature doesn't bode well in the judgment. God, I pray today that we would, we would allow you to change our hearts and show us, Lord, what you want us to do from this day forward as we live life in light of eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, uh, when our attention is on loving God, when our attention is on loving God and doing things out of our relationship with God, then those good works, uh, we, we easily forget the things that he prompts us to do. Where is it coming from? Is it coming from you? Did you pause and think about it and stop and, and measure it out? Oh, do I want to do this? Do I want to do that? Or is it a response of your new nature just to do the thing 
that's right there in front of you to do. You know, you, you see somebody and you say, man, I want to buy their meal. Uh, you see somebody and say, oh, it looks like they, you know, the cars broke down. Let me help out with that. You, you do these good works and it was like, it was a foregone conclusion that you were already going to do it. Ephesians chapter two. Let me skip on down to uh, 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 Ephesians 2.10. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. But don't take any of this for granted. It was only yesterday that you outsiders had, uh, you were outsiders to God's way and had no idea of any of this. Didn't know the first thing about the way God works. Hadn't the faintest idea of Christ. You knew nothing of that rich history of God's covenants and promises in Israel. Hadn't a clue about what God was doing in the world at large. Now because of Christ dying that death, shedding that blood, you who were once out of it altogether are in on everything. When, when you and I recognize that we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, that is our natural habitat. That is our natural viewing things. When you get born again, you're going to want to do, your want to gets engaged. You, you've got new desires now. You've got compassion that you never had before. You think about people differently than you used to, or at least you ought to. And so when we look at life in light of eternity, we're saying, okay, God's up to something in my world and I want to join him in his work. Where can I find Jesus? You'll find him when you find somebody that's sick and needs somebody to visit him. You'll find him when somebody needs their next meal and you walk alongside of them and you hear about it. See, Jesus is already the man acquainted with sorrows. And so when you walk among the poor, when you walk among the broken, when you walk among the outcasts, you're going to find Jesus right there. He's not hard to find. The rest of the world avoids them because of the discomfort. The rest of the world won't go the extra mile because, oh, hey, we're busy. What are we doing? What are we busy doing? Well, you know, I got to make the money. Got to look after the kids. Got to do all the stuff. Okay, okay, okay. Can't neglect all those things, right? But what about looking after somebody else that maybe can't do for themselves? Sometimes we get critical. Sometimes we get judgmental, you know? Sometimes we operate according to the spirit of the world that says, well, they really deserve what they got. You know, I'm not going to get in the way. God's judging them. I'm not going to get in the way of that. And yet the Lord says, if you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. You look after people because they are created in the image and likeness of God, not because they're perfect. You look after people because they have a need. You look after people. Now, uh, uh, let me hasten to say something, and you're, you're going to, because some of y'all are trying, I see the wheels turning, you're trying to balance all this out. Let me explain something to you. Um, Doc Lee did this in, when we were in Tanzania, and I thought it was so, so powerful. He said, when I got on the plane to come here, he said, when I got, when I, I came down to, came down the walkway and he said, I look over to the left and there's the, there's the, the you know, there's the, the cockpit. And you can look through there and you can see the, 
the pilot and the co-pilot, and they're getting prepped, and they got all the gauges, and they got all the, all the controls, and everything's right there. And he said, that, those guys are going to make sure we're on schedule. Those guys are going to make sure we leave when we're supposed to leave and land when we're supposed to land. And he said, they are involved in, in making sure this whole thing goes on mission. And then I looked to the right. And you got the well-dressed people and you got people interacting with all of the, all of the people. And, and they're there to make sure everybody's safe and comfortable, safe and comfortable, safe and comfortable. That's what they're doing. So everybody on the left, making sure that the plane gets where it's supposed to be. Everybody on the right, make sure everybody's safe and comfortable. Tracking with me? Well, what if the people on the left weren't doing their job and the whole goal on that plane was just to keep everybody safe and comfortable, safe and comfortable, safe and comfortable, but never left the tarmac. We'd get a little claustrophobic after a little bit. After a while, the toilet would start to stink and we'd be like, get out of here. I want no more of this, right? And uh, confined spaces don't like that, right? So you got to have, in the church, you got to have both. You got to have people that are making sure that we're on mission, and you got to have people looking after the needs of the people. The, the mission is not the needs of the people, they're different. Now, Jesus puts it together and says, but they are involved. Like, Lighthouse doesn't exist just to meet the needs of people. There's a need, Pastor Ken, that's obviously your call. No, the need doesn't necessitate the call. Otherwise, Jesus would have spent all of his time meeting the needs of people while he was on the planet and never would have gone to the cross. Does that make sense? So we have to do the work of Jesus and the ministry of the kingdom, and we need to look after the needs of people because they are important to God. And it's through those good works, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and what? Glorify your Father in heaven. We don't want them to say good things about us. We want them to say good things about God. We want them to understand that God hasn't forgotten them in their plight. God hasn't, God hasn't left you destitute. God hasn't left you out there all by yourself. I'm here to remind you that there is a living God and he cares for you. I was listening to a, anybody ever feel forgotten? Just be honest, raise your hand. You felt forgotten some, at some point in your life. Does anybody care? Does anybody know? Yeah, we've all, we've all felt lonely at different times. We all felt like we've been forsaken, you know? And we, especially when you go into a new space, a new stage of life, a new whatever, you're like, ah, I don't know my way around here. And we have all these comfort things, you know? But God always will send somebody along. He will always do it, provided the body of Christ is obedient. And God is looking for us to join him in the 804. Uh, uh, you know, Mother Teresa, powerful uh, ministry leader, did an amazing work in Calcutta, and her name is known around the world because she did small things with great love. And one young minister went to her one day and said, hey, I want to have a ministry like you. I want to be like you. What can, I, what can I do to have ministry like you? And she said, very simply, find your own Calcutta. You want to find out what God is doing and join him in his work? Find somebody that's broken and walk alongside of them. Uh, Isaiah says it this way, uh, I, the Lord, dwell in a high and lofty place, but also with him who's broken and contrite of heart. You know, God has two addresses, right? Uh, the high and lofty place and also with the broken one. 
And, you know, through the years, I've, I've been on both sides of that. I remember sitting in an office over here as a staff pastor, um, probably in the first three years that I was here. And uh, I was working my own business, and, and I worked in the office one day a week, and I, I was assigned all the benevolence needs that came in. And one day, there was a single mom that came in, and she was sitting across from me, and she didn't know. She didn't know that I'm sitting there, and I, I can't pay my rent that month. But I'm, I'm being asked to talk with her about how she could... Uh, you know, how she might acquire some money for some propane because she had no propane and the winter was coming and she needed that propane tank filled. And, and I think Lighthouse could, could have done maybe 25 or $50, you know, toward it, which wouldn't have been much. And we were sitting there and I said, sister, and she was, you know, if I mention her name, she's well known to the house, so I won't do it. But uh, we were sitting there and I said, sister, you know, we can do a little bit, but God's got this. But at the same time, I'm talking to myself. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I got needs, you got needs, you know? And there's two in my household, one in her, you know, plus she had kids. And I'm like, ah, Lord, we prayed. And we prayed right then. And she called me back. It wasn't three hours later. And God had supplied a full tank of propane. Come on. You know, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And sometimes we just need to run alongside. And I'm not saying that we're there to meet all of the need all of the time. But what I've found is if I can participate just a little bit, if I can get involved just a little bit, it's, a, it's that much of a reminder, right? And it moves us away from the goat side. Right? You won't be over on that sheep side. It moves us away. Why? Because if we're selfish, you know, I, I, you, you get images. I love, the, I love that Alex preached Psalm 23 um, last week and, and was talking from Psalm 23. Um, you know, I have just a few, a couple memories about goats. You know, you kind of, you kind of picture the idyllic, uh, you know, Psalm 23 picture in the pastures and the still water and everything. Um, I have two um, memories of goats. One was I was probably third grade, and a buddy of mine had goats. He had billy goats. And, uh, and those things would headbutt everything. So we thought it would be fun. We, we put on some football helmets and we went head to head with a couple of goats. That was not advisable, but we did it. It was, you know, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, right? Give a boy a little opportunity and it'll manifest. And uh, the, other, the other memory that I have of goats was uh, we were in Tibet and uh, they would bring these low dumpsters out just to the side of the street, and people would come out, you know, and they would throw their trash out there, and these goats would climb up on top of this trash, and they would just eat there all the time. I'm like, I don't know why I'm telling you about that, but goat memories, <laughs> goat memories. And, and so those, you know, the goats were, were indiscriminate about what they ate and indiscriminate about where they went, and they, and they just had their own independent nature. And, and yet, when you and I live our lives in light of, I'm going to stand before my father one day, and I want him to say, well done, and I want him to be pleased, that's telling us that there's a nature on the inside of you that cares. And you realize that you're a steward of everything that God has given, that it all belongs to him and not to you anyway. And so if he wants to take some of the money that he's entrusted to you and give it to people in need, well, he's jolly well free to be able to do that. Why? Because I signed on the dotted line a blank check to Jesus when I made him Lord. And I said, Lord, fill it in however you want to fill it in. It's my life is yours. And so my money is yours and my stuff is yours and my relationships are yours. 
And you fill it in however you want to. 